Anyway, so <clears throat> like I said, that's why I have a man crush on uh, Ricky Gervais. So anyway, uh, welcome to the Brock Lurie Show, and we've got so much to discuss. And big, big issues are happening in Iran and what's happening in New York with the anti-Semitism issues. I think we'll talk about those two main things today. Look, first of all, uh, let's talk about what happened in Iran with Soleimani. Am I pronouncing it? You know what? I don't give a crap. Uh, I prefer salami. It's easier to say, and we know who we're talking about. <laughs> the correct Cassie salami. The, the, actually, I, I just looked it up. Um, the correct pronunciation for that guy that was uh, vaporized uh, is piece of garbage. Piece of garbage. That's the correct pronunciation. If he was vaporized, then why did they find skids on concrete? <laughs> Would you have well, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I do like the image of you know him disappearing like uh, like whatever in Star Trek with the, the phasers on on kill you know, and just, they just go the zoop, and they, all that's left in his case was a, a ring I think. Right there. How awesome is that? <laughs> like for Valerie in killing a hundred thousands of people, you know I I'd, I'd really like, and then Ali what's his name Khamenei the the Ayatollah. Um, he's very upset, naturally. His number two guy, who was really in charge of, of all the, you know, killing and the planning of the hedge money and such like that, you know, he, he really was a prolific killer. And he, he bemoans his loss on Twitter and otherwise. And he says, you know, this is really a devastating blow to us. Uh, and I just think to myself, you know what? Man up, dude. You know, I, when, when I lose a key player in my firm, I go to Craigslist and Indeed.com, just you do are, it, dude. No, you're not going there. Because yes. that is, dude, save that for the Sunday show because that's a riot. Tell just, me you were going to do that on I'm Sunday. I'm going to do that on Sunday. Please. <laughs> Indeed.com. <laughs> we work. I can, I can see it now, like one of the, one of the uh, you know, testimonials for the show. I, I had just lost my number two man. He was the most prolific killer. <laughs> And you know, due to circumstances beyond my control, <laughs> I lost him, and I had to replace him. So now, suddenly the Persian accent comes in. Yeah. I had to, uh, I had to replace him. And but how do I find? Indeed.com was there to help. <laughs> like, yeah, and I'm like, hey, buddy, <laughs> buddy, I found Don't you. Don't you know? This, I, that very day, I found three more killers. <laughs> right, that's a perfect accent. There you go. <laughs> that very day. So, <laughs> and everything's going to be all right. Yes, indeed. Yeah. You, we can help Ali Kamini. We can help you. <laughs> Indeed.com. Okay, see, that would be the Saturday Night Live kind of fake commercial sketch yes. from 30 years ago that. That was funny. Rock. Right? Yeah, yeah, that would, would be. Uh, <laughs> please. I know, yeah. I know, it's crazy. And I can imagine the interview process too, right? Yeah. So, you, you know, they finally bring him in, there's an interview process. Okay, so I see in your resume that. Um, you were with various different terrorist groups, but only for like half half a year here, half a year there. Well, what happened? <laughs> like that. Well, you know, we had some personality conflicts. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. What happened? I uh, I would have to kill the, my, the head and take over, yes. <laughs> okay, so listen, thank you for coming. We appreciate that. <laughs> and then you do find somebody who's otherwise good. Listen, this job entails... Uh, a lot of killing, and we, really, you know, we, we want you to kill. We, we don't want you to come back to us and tell me how do you want it done. We just want you to do it, okay? We, this is a, you know, a kind of a job where we really just want you to, you know, hit the ground running, okay? We need you to be a self starter. A self starter, right? Okay, so, just, you know, okay. So your position for Al Qaeda, you said you were there between 2000 and 2004. Great. How many people did you kill? Uh, well, I can't really say. I don't know. And, and I, well, I know that sounds a little a different accent. But anyway, I do not know. Uh, well, would you say it was at least 100,000 people? Oh, yes, yes. I think so. Yes, I think uh, 100,000. Easy, easy. Don't they always say, maybe less, maybe more? Right. <laughs> uh, all right. Listen, we need a commitment from you for at least 150,000. Do you think you can do that? Okay. Yes, yes. But then you say what you need to say. You fake it until you make it, right? Yeah. That's the, the key thing. Anyway, but like I say, you know, with employees, you never know until you know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so when they get it, when they get a, do get a replacement for Soleimani, you know, what are they going to do? You know, it's, uh, you know he's, he's only killed 50,000 this year. It's just, he's become a disappointment. <laughs> like, what do we do? 
Well, throw him off a cliff? What do you want me to do? Okay, well, you just just butcher him. That's fine. And then we'll just replace it. You know, that's, it's, the, it's really hard to get good help. It just is. Every employer listening to this show understands what I'm talking about. And so my heart goes out as a fellow employer to the Ayatollah Khamenei. Really, it's it's tough out there. And and you know, buddy, for based on your like, um, you know, your set your values, would you consider the sanctions that are burdening the economy of Iran essentially like burdensome regulations on your business? Yes. Right. Oh, you wouldn't understand. It's yeah, so it's, true. It's so oh difficult to move the oil yes. on, the, on the world market. Only the Chinese will buy it, but only you know behind the yes. scenes. Trump and they're not great. giving us full uh, market value. Trump may be great for your country. Fantastic, but you know, I wish he would employ the same uh, freeing of regulations uh, for the rest of the world. Yes, it would be so good. Yeah, or bring regular. back Obama or Bernie Sanders. He looks good. <laughs> That's true. You know, it's funny you mentioned that Bernie Sanders or Obama would be very, uh, you know, open and free market when it comes to other countries. Not just, you know, yeah. America, not so much. Yeah, China, Iran, Russia. Yes, open up all the markets <laughs> as much as possible, but not America. You know, we gotta, you got to shackle us. Anyway, what a crazy, crazy world we live in. So the response <clears throat> to a uh, piece of garbage is killing, vaporizing, I should say, uh, was... Skid, skid. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> uh, so two responses. One, of course, is that Iran loves these missiles that go absolutely nowhere, <clears throat> which one would think was actually designed to go nowhere. I think, you know, as bad as the Iranian military is relative to the American military, I do think that they have the capacity to actually have better, you know, target. I mean, they, you would think that at least one of their missiles would hit something, right? And it, nothing hit anything. So they obviously, to me, to my mind, I think they intended not to hit anything. They, they wanted to lob these 50 missiles, four of which were duds, by the way, and then be able to, to save face with their Iranian people. Of, of course, they don't believe it anyway, but nevertheless, to be able to say, look, we, we launched these attacks on the, the, the great Satan, and uh, we feel good about ourselves. And of course, uh, we respond by saying, okay, that's it. Great. Fantastic. You know, you got your little cute retaliation that ended up being nothing. Uh, nobody was hurt. Nobody was even wounded in any of these missile attacks. So unless they've got something else up their sleeve, which I doubt, uh, I don't think that you can expect anything more. But there you go. I mean, like a, like, like a targeted assassination, that sort of thing. God forbid. Uh, but I think we're in such a good position vis-a-vis -vis Iran, vis-a-vis -vis Iraq, vis-a-vis -vis China, vis-a-vis -vis Russia, vis-a-vis -vis North Korea. You, you name it. We've got everyone on their heels. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still really in a funk, though. I'm really, I'm so disappointed. You're tired of winning. No, not yet, and that's the problem. I was promised that I would be tired of winning, <laughs> and it's been almost three years, well, here's the and thing. I'm still not tired of winning. It just might be that you're eating right. You know, you're, you're you got good stamina. I'm now. regular. You're regular. <laughs> your, your energy is very good, and you you're not tired of winning because you know you could still you know deal. I can still you win keep more. on going. Yeah, you've yeah. got you've got that extra wind. Yeah. you know, like you know, go that extra mile. Got yeah, the runners high. I, I feel like it. Yeah, you got the runners high. Yeah. I, I can do this. Anyway, it's great stuff, and uh, I'm not tired of winning either, uh, for sure. By the way, I, I've got a couple of clients um, that are you know like us, they're conservatives, and we get to banter a little bit about you know how great Trump is and how bad Obama and Clinton and all the good stuff. And every once in a while when I have more good news for them, I, I, I start off by saying, listen, are you tired of winning? Because I'm not tired of winning. I hope you're not tired of winning because I got some more winning for you. <laughs> and it's, it's really fun you know, to be able to do that. So uh, that's a, like a code language, right, that we have uh, between us. So anyway, Iran, the whole situation with, with Iran, it's so backfired on the Democrats. The ones who wanted to say that uh, they should have, that Trump should have gotten approval from from Congress, uh, which is so absurd to me. I don't even know where to begin with that. Uh, and, and the parallels to uh, Osama bin Laden and everything else. I mean, the the the, the pretzel logic that Democrats use to complain about this killing. I mean, I, I just really don't understand it. Yeah, at all. imagine John Boehner. Okay, on May 2nd, 2011, that Monday morning, coming out and saying, you know, it might be a good thing that Osama bin Laden is no longer with us. Right. But you know what? 
the president should have kept us in the loop and should have sought our approval in an open hearing in Congress. There you go. We should have been able to debate this issue for the American people live on TV for at least two or three weeks. Right. And right? then, okay, you have the approval. <laughs> and then after we give you the approval. Who was located in Pakistan in a small little uh, <laughs> reclusive <laughs> castle. Uh, anyway, you get the idea. So... But it's, it's absurd. So it's so preposterous. Yeah. When when Bin Laden was killed, I think I'm going to guess what you uh, did that evening uh, when you heard about it because it was an evening uh, event for us here in California. Uh, we said woohoo, right? I mean, this this bastard was dead, and uh, some of his henchmen as well. It was awesome. It was just it was great to do that. Now, whether Obama should take full credit as he did and everything else, that's another story. But he was president at the time. I didn't care who was president at the time. What I did care about was justice was served uh, swiftly, you know, not right. swiftly. We're not going to cry when a guy like that is taken out by the parts of our government <clears throat> that exist exclusively to do such things. Right. Because yeah. why do you have a CIA and those kind of hit teams? Oh, to this day. In, anyway. <clears throat> to this know? day, when, when people say, well, do you think Obama was all bad and such like that? Um, I, I'll say he, that is one of maybe two things that I will say that I thought he, he was good. He, he had the opportunity to take out Osama bin Laden, and he took the opportunity. Maybe he was too careful. He had to make, be so assured beyond belief. He, he should have taken a greater risk. But he took the shot. He got the shot. It was, it was well executed. Yeah, it done. happened. It, it happened. happened. Fine. So well, I'm going to give I'm gonna, yeah. Yeah, he's hands, and you said, give him credit. Right. And he, you say he did two things. The two second one. Is he was at the Apollo Theater in New York. And he sang an Aaron Neville song right on key. And I thought that was... That's true. That's he, the other. He is a good singer. Yeah. I mean, really, at, at, at some point when he was doing, when he did that, and I think he also sang another time. I thought, you know, this guy may have missed his calling. Right. He, he's a pretty damn good singer, yeah. and you've got to give him credit for that. Right. Now I'm going to say something absolutely. You'll probably need this erased because this is going to be just X-rated. But, you know. Hitler was a good artist and really should have done that instead yeah, of what he did. He was not did. well appreciated in his time. Right. It's was, absolutely he true. He was a much better artist than he was given credit. Painter artist. <laughs> only, he should have painted with his if life. If only he got the recognition and yeah. you know, sold Manson, some paintings, he might right. have, uh, we might have avoided World yeah. War II. Manson was a much better musician than cult leader. Should have done it. right? If should've, only that idiot gave him a record deal. We've, right? Yeah. And Obama should saying, right? <laughs> Good point. I like that you're putting them all together right in the same on, category. Just uh, <laughs> now, here's the, here, in, in fairness to Obama, there is something else that he said. And he went out of his way to do this. And I, this is not joking. Uh, he, more than on one occasion, talked about the importance of fathers. Okay? He appreciated that uh, fatherless homes lead to young men especially, uh, being very lost and leading to lives, lives of crime. And it's, uh, it's, it's an important Like point. his presidency. <laughs> exactly. You see, and he's a good example. Yes, that was not bad at all. That's right. <laughs> That was that you know, was not things. you know what that was not planned. That was really good. Like especially that was very, you know what? I, that was a uh, le mot juste. You know, it's just perfect the way you always laid out. Okay, that, that's great. I gotta remember that. <laughs> Here, you wanted some tissues? There? Yeah. Oh god. You're just, so disgusting. I just got slimed. Oh god. Oh jeez. Yeah. You're here. You're here. The tissues coming out of the tissue box. Ew. This is okay. I laughed so hard I spit up a little. <laughs> Would you like to take a restroom break there? No, no, no? it's okay. Okay, all right. We're, 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 we have all sorts of supportive services here, including restrooms, no, here at, good, at the it, law offices of Lurie and Seltzer. Hair, see? <sighs> okay. So <clears throat> the point is that there were a couple of good things that Obama did, and, and we just named uh, three, in, indeed. So he's not all bad. Nobody's 100% bad. He's just like 99% bad. Okay, that's, that's, that's cool. Anyway, <laughs> you get it. So Soleimani, the killing, and everything else like that, and the way that the Democrats insisted that this will be leading to World War III, and if you were to watch CNN before the uh, response of the Iranians with the 15 missiles, you would assume, like, everyone's on watch, and war, war is just about to break out, and we've, we've uh, 
we've taunted that rabid dog, you know, and they, not that they would use that metaphor, by the way. I would, <laughs> but like, oh, we're supposed to say nice doggy, right? That's what we're supposed to do to this rabid dog and actually think that we can have a meaningful discussion and diplomacy. I, I, I thought that was, it's really precious. So they, they talk about it as though we have, uh, it's our fault for uh, stirring up this uh, hornet's nest and this, you know, maybe that's a better analogy. This hornet's nest, you know, hornets are allowed to live too. And why would you stir that up, right? So that's the way they feel about it. And shame on Trump for doing this because it's now the inevitable horrific war is about to, uh, you know, descend upon us. Yeah, they're going to use those nuclear weapons that Obama promised us they didn't have. Right, with the money yeah, that we that gave Obama them. didn't yeah. promise he didn't give. Uh, an, an, an interesting thing you also saw in the media before the uh, Cassie Salami's death, uh, skidding, you know, turned to skid, is was this dynamic. What, remember, let's go back in the Wayback Machine, a couple of clicks here. Um, By the way, I love it when you say that, the Wayback Machine. <laughs> Because, first of all, it's instantly understandable what you mean, right? And it's a reference to um, the, way, the Wayback Machine from uh, that cartoon. I forget what it was. Uh, Peabody. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's Basically, you know, time machine, you know. Yeah. But, but you get the idea. The Wayback yeah. Machine. Because Go ahead. It's so much easier to say that than, hey, will you people remember? Be just go, huh? What? Yeah. Uh, what precipitated the, the salami, um, you know, drone Missling was an attack on our embassy in Baghdad. Oh, right. Right? And CNN, as well as others, um, said something along the lines of, this is Trump's Benghazi. I know, exactly. <laughs> and I, I went on, I actually said it. Wait, 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 wait. I just want to make sure our listeners heard me being breathless. Right. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Yeah, your eyes just said WT to the F. Let's right. just put it that way. Yeah. Because, of course, the immediate response is, why? What happened at Benghazi we should know about? <laughs> Did something happen at Benghazi for all this time that you were telling us? Do you really want to go there, dude? Yeah, do you really? <laughs> and then... That's what that Bill Maher said. No, I don't know. Yeah, Bill Maher said that, right? Yeah. Do you really want to go there, dude? Do you really want to go, go there? And then... <clears throat> and then... After accusing Trump about lying for the justifications of turning Cassie Salami into a bloody skid, they claimed Trump was lying about it in order to assassinate him. And then they brought on Susan Rice to explain why Trump was lying to us. <laughs> and I'm having so much trouble getting these words out because right. the irony is... Holy to the you know what, that I, I think I speak for all the listeners uh, when I say, Ari, get a hold of yourself. <laughs> Jeez, Louise, dude. I mean, you got you to gotta calm down. You get, I think you're letting this get to you a little too personally. Uh, but I, I'm with you in spirit. You know, it is a little bit like expecting, uh, you know, Hitler to... To, to be, participate on a bar mitzvah or something. Yeah, exactly. Or, or to, to be at the Commissioner of Human Rights at the UN. I mean, it, it's, it's weird. It, the whole thing is weird. You really, uh, surely there are other Democrats out there that you can push forward to be your spokesperson for anything. <laughs> Not Susan Rice. About why an embassy was attacked and why the president is lying. Yeah. But look, the, your point is a, is a good, good point. And, but it's something we've talked about before. We describe the Democrat Party, at least of, of today, as being in a bubble, a time bubble, where all that they can see behind them is about five minutes ago, and all they can see in front of them is about five minutes ahead. And that's it. Okay? They don't know the consequences of their actions, nor the initiation of, of where we are, the explanation of where we are, how we are, and so on like that. That's it. To them, it's a you know, time uh, beyond five minutes from us and, and before five minutes before us is, is this amorphous blob of jelly where you can't see anything. You don't, it, it, nothing ever happened before and nothing ever happened. All that matters is right now. So they, that's why they believe their own crap. They believe things like this Greta Thunberg girl who says, you know, uh, the world is about to explode in, in 12 years or whatever it is. And everyone nods their head, and they, they think they treat her seriously, not realizing, of course, they're, they're talking to a child, 
right? Like, you do realize this is a yeah. child who is not a scientist, right? Right, and that 20 years ago, Al Gore said the exact same thing. Right, yeah. And that time clock ex- expired eight years ago. Right, <laughs> right. right. Or, or to your point, what you just said about Iran and uh, and why this Soleimani attack happened. It, it didn't happen sui sponte. It happened in response to an attack by the Iranians on us, right? And so forth. And so it's... It's it is breathtaking that they want to forget these things, but it's it's of course understandable because they have nothing else. Yeah, and and this happened five minutes ago, so they don't remember this happened. But <laughs> another perfect example. This shows you how right you are. The withholding of the impeachment articles from the Senate, right? Right. Right after you rushed the impeachment process in the House by telling us how urgent it was to pass this now to get that some bitch out of the White House ASAFing <laughs> Oh no, no, but we're gonna withhold them for the Senate because we don't we're not sure they figured out how right. to have a fair trial for us. Yeah, it's a hurry up and wait uh, yeah. sort of thing. So yeah, no. What, but what, every what they, process is yeah. exactly that. The game plan, at least on impeachment, and then we'll move back to Iran. The game plan on the impeachment process. Here's what they were thinking. They were thinking, look, we'll we'll do this impeachment thing, and that will be like a cloud hovering over Trump until November of 2020, and uh, that's it's it's better, it's more value to us that way than actually going to the Senate and having him acquitted, which he no doubt will be. So we don't want that kind of narrative playing out just before the election. So we don't want him to, you know, stomp on his feet and, and uh, beat the drums of acquittal uh, and, and then proudly boast how he was been, he's been vindicated. So let's just keep this impeachment thing, you know, hovering over his head. That's the only reason why. Right. But the, the, the amazing thing is that people almost forgot about the impeachment. Right. I, think, I think they haven't forgotten about <laughs> yeah. it. No one's, no one's now going on like, and this man— that we're supposed to deal with, the man who's just been impeached? <laughs> I don't think so. No, said nobody on the campaign yeah, trail. Yeah, and, and you know what's funny about it is that's actually accurate because impeachment being a process, a process to be a process that happened has to complete. Right. In other words, if you're taking an elevator from the first floor to the third in this building, you have to eventually get off the elevator right. on the third floor right. to have gone there. Right. So... Until the House managers and the impeachment articles are sent to the Senate, impeachment technically really didn't happen. Right. So he hasn't been impeached, actually. Right. Another way of looking at it is like you say, I took a flight from New York to Los Angeles. Well, but <laughs> the flight is still midair. You didn't take the flight yet, right? Yeah. You're not done with the flight by any stretch. You cannot say that it's successfully completed. And that's the same thing with the impeachment process. Anyway, enough about that. Going back to Iran. Um, the, the, the amazing thing about this, and, and I think history will, will be so favorable to Trump in this, in this regard, is the legere de main, the sleight of hand that Trump effectuated by killing out Soleimani, taking that shot, and taking the risk associated with it, is so brilliant and so beautiful. Uh, and he made the world a safer place, um, gave not just a black eye to the Iranians, but a major blow to their hegemony. And I, I, I'm, I so respect it. It's about leadership. It's about taking risk. And he acted presidential at the same time without any collateral damage, uh, zero collateral damage to us. And I, I you know, it's, it's a brilliant, brilliant move. And gutsy. I just, I like everything about it. It's, it's why you want a president. If, if you were to say, what do I expect out of my president? That's one of the things that you would expect, right? Not to, you know, by, by contrast, and again, going back to Obama and bin Laden, you know, uh, Obama was willing to take the shot, so to speak, only when he was 100% guaranteed. And he, and he said so. He said, look, uh, I mean, the reports are now out. Like, they evaluated and evaluated, and they said, you know, I don't want any, uh, anything going wrong here. Because if it goes wrong here, I, you know, he didn't want to be in a Jimmy Carter situation with the rescue attempt with the hostages in Iran back in 1979-80. He didn't want that, and I understand that. It's a major failure uh, on the part of Jimmy Carter. It, it did not help him in the uh, subsequent election. So uh, Obama didn't want that. But look, here's Trump. He's taking a risk, and he took it. Yeah, and if it went wrong, he would have taken the hit from but it that's, because the but embassy that's, would have been stormed. And then, right. oh, he failed to get this guy, and he knows the media would offer him no cover. And then he did, I think— we talked about this a couple of minutes ago, but it really is, I think, the biggest part of the story, which is Trump is constantly accused of, um, 
uh, being not presidential, right? And then, is there a more dexterous act of diplomacy and knowledge of specifics of foreign policy with who you're dealing with than to understand that the Iranian government and culture absolutely needed to be seen to its own people as having a retaliation against you. And you know that was worked out behind the scenes with the Americans and everything. Sure. Uh, we're, okay, we need to launch some missiles. We don't want you nuking Tehran. Where can we fire them so we can say we launched on you? I think you? you're exactly right. And, and uh, they, the, you know our military gave them the exact coordinates to target to blow those things up in the empty part of the base. Right. And by a military base, it's, it's like if you've ever been to like – uh, California, we have military bases out in the desert, which are you know hundreds of thousands of acres. And over here is a uh, an aircraft right. uh, facility with a runway and hangars and everything. But the rest is all scrub brush. So well, they, you know, they specifically launched to the scrub brush. Trump gave them the cover to say, okay, you can tell that to your people, you know, <coughs> and we'll work that out, knowing that. By getting rid of Sal- Cassie Salami, forget the that he's the bad terrorist uh, to the Western world aspect of it. He's the glue that holds the Iranian regime together. He's the terror orchestrator who who <coughs> keeps the Iranian people in line. Right. The regime, when you saw the funeral and everything, they had to bribe people with free meals and cash money to show up at I know, the funeral. And this so here's the here's the point. The regime's existence. The point is that. And the beauty of this is, and I want to just go back a little bit. I loved not only that he took a shot, but the risk associated with it. I, I admire that. In the same way, uh, you don't think of anything else that you think about uh, that, that you admire. Part of the reason why you admire a man uh, for his leadership is because of his risk-taking, right? George yeah. Washington is a good example. He took huge risks. He refused to deal, you know, he demanded before he, he received any letter from the British that they referred to him as General Washington, not Mr. Washington. Uh, he would go out in battle, uh, knowing somehow that he'd never be actually shot, and he never was. Um, incredible risks that he undertook otherwise against the British Empire, and knowing that he would be hung if he, uh, hanged, I guess, <clears throat> if he were caught. So this was; these are all incredible risks, and all the more that we respect his result because there was risk associated with it. Same thing with the business enterprise, for example. I, I love the risk that you know you hear so much about. Let's say about Apple, Steve Jobs. You know, he took a lot of risk. Um, he gave up his his college. Uh, you know, he gave up a lot of things, and he just had this vision. And the risk was great that he was just wildly wrong, but he invented a whole new industry. Yeah, and many times, if you read the stories about him, he demanded that he was right about something. Yeah. And in the short term, if he lived in the five-minute bubble before or after, he was dead wrong. He was only right in the long term. And I mean in the corporate world, this is eternities and generations. He was right 20 years beyond yeah. And, yeah. so, and very right. Here's, and I like your point about the missiles being uh, ne- negotiated, more or less. I, I think that that's exactly what happened. I think that because it, you would think that at least one of the missiles would have struck something, maybe a hospital, maybe would have maimed somebody, but not a single casualty or injury whatsoever. Not even a Jeep was blown up. Okay? Yeah. So think about all the good that comes out with this. First of all, the Iranians look totally inept. Right. If if they are saying we're gonna we're, we're trying to hit you, uh, but they missed every single one, <clears throat> four of which were duds, then that that makes them look incredibly inept. Okay. Secondly, uh, they wasted good money. Each of these missiles probably cost a million dollars. Right. So <laughs> bye bye. So they they totally wasted theirs. Um, now, the next thing is they haven't fooled anyone within uh, among their people. They don't think their people do not think anything like what the government wants them to think. That somehow, oh, yes, we show the, the, the great Satan who's, who's who and what's what, and we give them the what for by punishing them with the, these 15 missiles. Uh, that, so that's brilliant. And most importantly, we dramatically weakened the <clears throat> hegemonic uh, ambitions of Iran throughout the regions, showed them who really is boss, i.e. America, and things will start changing. And not only that, and finally, it'll embolden the resistance within Iran. Yes. That is so important. And 
I, Iranians love Trump. And, and by the way, I, you know, a lot of the, you, you see a lot of the um, <coughs> graffiti in Tehran and otherwise, it's all in Farsi. Uh, but if you actually translate them, I'm told, of course, I don't read Farsi, uh, that a lot of it's, you know, Trump is our man, <laughs> America all the way. I mean, good things. Yeah, it's anti-regime right. stuff. And they can only do so much yeah. to, to stop this graffiti. So it's pretty awesome. And there's one more thing, one more thing that's so important. The media looked like idiots oh, yes. for the Good whole point. week. Good point. So the media <clears throat> and the the message is from the establishment du jour to the Iranian people made them look like fools to the Iranian people who yearn for freedom. While at the same time, the American audience saw our media for being as stupid <laughs> and dishonest oh, and so evil right. and, and lie-infested <clears throat> as they are. I, you know? I, you know, it's very funny that you say that because it dovetails very nicely into our next segment. I want to talk about the media, um, but more importantly, it kind of because it kind of, I guess I'm giving away a little bit of uh, my answer here. Uh, we talked before about the major things that changed between 2010 and 2020, that the past decade. And if you were to look back on it, you would say, "Wow, what what are the major changes that happened?" Well, you would say, okay, the death of the bookstore, the death of record stores for sure, video stores, and the utter slaughter of retail, right? Uh, the rise of, I mean, the basically the, the death of the taxi industry, um, a complete different change in the whole way that we look at uh, sex and uh, Tinder, for example, the rise of Tinder, which is the swipe bread, swipe. Swipe right, swipe left culture now that changes relationships. That's part of my book, Rise of the Sex Machines, available on Amazon. Um, and uh, I said retail, right? There, a lot of things have changed. A tremendous number of things have changed. So what do you think? But now let's say it's 10 years hence. It's about, it's the year 2030. Now we're looking back on the 20s. And hopefully we'll be talking about on this podcast and other places and the complete annihilation and demise of the Democrat Party. And, <laughs> that would be and, nice. And that the Democrat <clears throat> Party is now run by a, an idiot named Mitt Romney. <laughs> That's true. That's exactly what that we would want. Be, yeah, that would be, that would be the new yeah. Dem- Democrat Party. Yes, I, I agree. Look, even that would be better than the Democrat Party that it is today. So, But nevertheless, so now the Roaring Twenties has happened uh, the economy was so good because President Trump, uh, th- and I love saying that, those two words together. Can you say that again? President Trump. Can you say it again? President Trump. Can you say it again? President Trump. Say All right. Again? I think we're done here. So, so well, you have now to say it's, it one more time. I'll have a reason. 2024 uh, rolls around, and now it's uh, President Pence. No, no. It's President Donald Nikki Trump Hill. Jr. Oh, I see. All right. Whatever. No, seriously. I'm with you. I'm with you. But we're not going to have uh, you know that sort of dynasty. Oh, we are. We are. Okay. Can we, can we move on for a second? No. So the 20s has largely been um, presided by Republicans. Uh, there's a new Republican wave and such like that. But I'm not even talking about that right now. I want to talk about things that have changed culturally, socially, and politically. You talked about the Democrat Party being changed dramatically. I think I think there is going to be a major change in that. God willing, uh, they're going to be smart, uh, meaning the Americans are going to be smart and are going to completely alter the Democrat Party and get rid of them and change it with something else, just like Israel did, by the way, <clears throat> with a Likud party, which yeah. was their version of the Democrat Party, I guess. I mean, it, no analogy is perfect because the Likud party, the Labor Party, I mean, <clears throat> The Labor Party, I'm talking about. They didn't have slavery in their past, right? So I mean, it's a big, big difference, a huge difference. But nevertheless, the Israelis got rid of their Labor Party. It's only 4% of the electorate now. And now there's the Blue and White Party, okay? And it's, there's a lot of remnants of labor ideas, but nevertheless, it's much more conservative than the Labor Party used to be. I, I hope and I expect <clears throat> that the Democrat Party will boot the socialist uh, agenda out for one thing, and then secondly, will reinvent itself. May even uh, falter completely, and there'll be a whole new party altogether. That's very possible in the 20s, because when Trump gets reelected, and I mean when he gets reelected and continues 
his agenda so well through 2024, and God willing, another Republican after that who continues a very similar agenda. Whose last name is Trump. <laughs> or Nikki Haley, you know, we get, you got you to give that. Trump Jr. So um, if that continues on, people will begin to see, you know what, maybe these guys really do have something, and they have to alter themselves one way or the other. So that's on the political arena. That's a big, big deal. I think another major change you will see, and I'm going to predict this right now, there will be no more New York Times. Oh, yeah. I think CNN will completely alter if, if not just Probably go poof. Probably go away, yeah. Yeah, I, I think so too. But the New York Times in particular, there will be no New York Times by the year 2029. Okay? It's just not going to happen. I know that's a long time from now, and it's easy for me to make a bold prediction like that. I think it's going to be within five years, actually. But I'm going to say in 2029, New York Times will, you know, people say it'll be a sad, cold, gray morning for the old gray lady, something like that, right? Um, and they'll say, wow, what, what memories this place has, and, you know, isn't this a testament to how how profane and how simplistic our, our culture has become? God, I hope. That, that's what they'll say. Yeah. Uh, but the truth is <clears throat> that, you know, it's it, it just like Tower Records thought Pollyannishly that people, the vast majority of people will still get their music yeah, from... Yeah, we'll coexist with Napster kind of thing. Right. right? We'll, yeah. we'll still get the majority of their music from, you know, record stores. Um, they don't realize, the New York Times, right now, that even their own devoted readers... Don't get all of their news that's fit to print, so to speak, from the New York Times. They don't read it. There's nobody who reads that cover to cover anymore and gets only their news from that. It's too easy with a click uh, of a mouse to check out other things, whether it's other liberal media uh, outlets or otherwise. This, it's just way too easy. They can get the Daily Beast, for example. They can get the, the New Yorker. They can get the Washington Post and so on. Click, click, click. And that's, that's death. To the New York Times. Yeah. Death. At least as a news organization. I mean, there may be something called the New York Times, but it'll be like <clears> the <throat> way LA Weekly is here. Well, it'll be a local, little New York-centric thing with a theater, restaurant, and crossword <laughs> puzzle. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Like, the, those things, niche and most likely exclusively online. Well, let me make this easy. You know? Let me make this easy. It's a little bit like saying that all you need for your entertainment is Amazon Prime, okay? No, I don't give a crap where I get my, where I get my uh, entertainment. services, yeah. My, I just want good shows. So I like, for example, I'm just going to throw out a couple of names, Fleabag, which came, uh, it's on Amazon Prime. I like um, uh, quite a few shows. That, on that, that, <clears throat> that Barack Obama scene was too much in season one. I don't remember that one, but it doesn't matter. She's self- Oh, I see. Yes, I do remember that. Was... I nearly wretched when I saw that. That was weird. <laughs> that was so weird. Disgusting. Hilarious, and it was not. It was not complimentary of the former dear leader, by the way. <laughs> dear leader. Anyway, let's move on. So, so I don't care that that that's on Amazon Prime. I just care about the show. Yeah. Okay. Likewise, uh, I happened. I liked uh, Fauda. Which is a fantastic show about uh, Israelis, uh, you know the uh, Homeland for Israelis. Yeah, exactly. Right. Homeland yeah. for Israelis. It's totally cool, and many other shows. Some are on Netflix, some are on HBO, some are on uh, you know available at Apple uh, uh, Movies. I don't give a crap about where it comes from. I care about Getting the quality yeah. of that this or that particular show. I don't even you know if you were to tell me where's uh, Game of Thrones from, I, I have to think about. Okay, well. I think it was on HBO. I, I don't. I don't know, and I don't care. Yeah, if I if I really wanted to see it, I would find it, and then I would realize, oh, okay, it's available on HBO. But I'm not loyal. I don't have a, like a little pennant with HBO in my life. I'm not an HBO guy. Yeah, right? it's not Coke versus Pepsi. You right, know? right. It's it's weird, and the New York Times still has this mentality, like. You know, all the news that's fit to print. Yeah, it's this from is, our house. This is your one-stop yeah. news shop, and you can get everything here. What, but why? I mean, it's too easy for me to get my information from other sources. The, the, the days of old where you got everything delivered to you on your driveway in the morning, and that's all you need to know. Thank you very much. And it made you feel very intelligent where, you know, other with writers are giving you articles where you can nod your head along. That doesn't exist anymore. It's way too easy to find information elsewhere. 
And that, <clears throat> I think, is the major change that you're going to see in the media, is that you're going to see uh, failing enterprises like the New York Times yeah, eventually CNN. collapse. And CNN. Yeah. And it, they, they cannot, hold on, right. they cannot <clears throat> um, withstand the forces of viewership and readership. They just can't. Yeah. Uh, the d- demand still means something. And, and if the model still applies, the model being you have to have advertisers. If that's your model, one way or the other, and clicks and everything else, the number of clicks matter, then you best change your platform to be much more moderate uh, and, and move along toward the conservative cause. Now, look, you may very well say, and you'd be right to say there may be sources that dedicate themselves entirely to very leftist agendas, right? The Socialist Daily, for example, and Bernie, Bernie Sanders, no doubt, would be yeah, a very big workers, fan of that. Yeah, whatever it right. is. Workers uh, Daily. And, and that's fine. You can definitely get that sort of thing. I mean, like, for example, this is a nuanced podcast. This is for a certain kind of listener, an intelligent listener. Uh, who's somewhat savvy, in fact, quite savvy about what's going on and, and likes to get more savvy as a result of listening to this podcast. It's not for everyone. It's not for, certainly it's not for lefties who would find nothing of value here, but I don't care about that, right? We, we care to saturate. The difference here is that we are actually marketing to those people. We don't pretend that we are delivering you know, pro-liberal and pro-conservative yeah. viewpoints. We're going to be down the middle, fair and balanced, right. unbiased, right. and dispassionate. Oh, but, yeah. but but we will be accurate. That we promise. Yeah. That we definitely promise. Now, I, and, and I think accuracy, we always tell it like it is. You know, if, if Trump does something that I think is... Uh, Dumb, we'll tell you. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. I have no problem saying that. Uh, but so far, so good. And, and frankly, I, I was just thinking on my run today, like, what a remarkable time we're living in. Anyway, the point is that the New York Times just doesn't get that. They, they really live in their bubble where they think that there's a huge swath of people that view them as the only source of information. And unbiased. And unbiased. Yeah. LA Times is the same thing. Like People don't give a crap about the source uh, other than the fact that unless you, your source is constantly lying to them, which is the New York Times and the CNN and the LA, and the Times. LA Times. Yeah. So... That's, that's why it's going to go the way of the dodo. They, that, it's not even a business model. It's a news model that doesn't work anymore. It's just a bad product. Yeah. And you're having, uh, you know, I, I brought up this analogy uh, about the food market in Los Angeles or even broader, more broadly in America. People have better taste now. They, one of the reasons fast food and bad food struggle is because people want either something that makes them feel good physically, i.e. healthy, or they want it to have good flavor when they put it in their mouths. If it has neither, those <laughs> exactly are the things right. that yeah, suffer market-wise. And as yep. the, the yep. palate yep. sophistication of the of the consumer of food increases in um, you know quality and uh, the bad stuff dies on the vine. Right. You know, from a business model. Well exactly right. And it's um, I mean and people are realizing the New York Times is crap food, right. if you will. Yeah. I, look, I wouldn't buy only my news only from the New York Times in the same way that I wouldn't get my books only from uh, Random, Random House. I just wouldn't do that. That's not – it doesn't make any sense. That's a publishing house. Well, I only read my books from <laughs> right. Random House. You know, it's uh, – I don't care about the, uh, the, the reviews. And yeah, the I care about the publishing house. Like, dude. That's, that's another great sketch on Saturday yeah. Live. He's publishing house guy. He's, he's, pub, he's publishing house intellectual guy. Right. He only reads things by Scholastic. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, but hey, right. I have this great book by Kopf. Uh, sorry, yeah, not interesting. Well, I, I literally, I, I would sometimes, say, you know, present these uh, this really great book from, uh, let's say, Suzanne Hoffers. Uh, she she wrote the War on Boys. I thought it was she was great. Suzanne, whatever her name, she, War Against Boys. It's a great book, and it really describes the horrible situation going on against boys. And then that was published in two thousand, and it's even worse now in 2020. So. Um, and I and I told this to a couple of my lefty friends. I'm like, this is a real thing, you know. There's no there's no goodies now for the boys. And I told them about the war against boys, this book. And they said, well, who's publishing it? Like, does that matter? 
I mean, it, it, isn't the research and the backup and the evidence from the book, isn't that what matters? Yeah, but that's how lefties are. No, no, no. <laughs> that was on Breitbart. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but look Good who point. wrote it. A former left-wing college professor who's been kicked off campus for saying, hey, don't shouldn't the Jews have the right to exist? Right, exactly. <laughs> right. The funny thing is that Breitbart is, uh, look, to me, it's a go-to place. When I see the, when I see the following, Breitbart, Fox News, um, PJ Media, love PJ yeah, Media. Gateway, Gateway pundit, fantastic. When when I see that those things that that is the source, I know that they've vetted their stories. You see, now notice I, I didn't say I only read Breitbart, I only read PJ Media, I only uh, read Fox News, and so on. I didn't say that. I, I read all of them. Uh, if I if I hear a story that I think is a little out there. A little wild. I, of course, then we'll check the source. I know especially that PJ Media has checked it. This is a real compliment to PJ Media. They have not been wrong. And when they make a mistake and, oh, they say that it was 2019 instead of 2020, for example, they will correct it and they will announce it right away. Likewise with Fox News. I'm yeah, very impressed with on, them. They, they're not going to be like the New York Times that runs a front page story right below the masthead in a gigantic font. That's totally wrong. And then three weeks later on page 60, they print the little retraction in right. six point type. <clears throat> yeah, exactly you know? right. So, that, it's, so that's a big problem. So <clears throat> the media, you, you, in order to survive... In this business, the media business, is it's the same sort of thing that you have to survive in the music industry. How about that? You have to be freaking fantastic good, okay? Yeah, and all the time. It, all the time. Because there, it's so easy now to upload music, to produce music and everything. You don't need the, the recording houses anymore. You can go straight to uh, YouTube and to uh, SoundCloud and otherwise. You could be a major performer like that, okay? So... But you got to be damn good because there's a lot of other competition. Yeah. Same thing with writing books. You know, your book has got to be good. And to be a bestseller today, that's pretty awesome. All right. And so that's why I take it as a great compliment that Atheism Kills and The Rise of the Sex Machines became bestsellers. It's, you know, because I knew when I was writing these books, it better be damn good. Yeah, and it is. Thank you. I appreciate it. Look, and, 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 uh, and, and that's not just, I'm not trying to sell my books, of course. I'm simply saying that's how hot the market is. How, how incredible. And we want it to be hot. Yeah. And how. Music, books, and media. Now, New York Times and LA Times and CNN, they are, they're acting, they're doing the worst thing possible in the media. Yeah. Well, they're living in that same world well, the Democrats live in because they're the same thing. Right. Where they can't see five minutes behind them or they can only exactly see right. at most five minutes in front of them. And so they have no way of responding to this very dynamic, quick, and informed market that that now exists worldwide. Well, they're, yeah, you're right. And, and you, I know you'll agree with what I'm about to say, which is the main crime that they commit, the utter business failure is that they lie. They just present a story and expect you to swallow it. Because and they are them. Because they are They're them. Like exactly a restaurant right. who says, just because our name is this, you're going to like it. Right. But your food tastes like rat excrement. Right. It, it, but, but we are this, right. you know? You can fool all the people some of the time, some of the people all the time, but not all the people all of the time. And, and the New York Times is, is beginning to learn that lesson, and they will learn it all the way to bankruptcy. And that's 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 their problem, not mine. Okay, so, and I love it because truth always kind of foments to the top. At the end of the day, it, it, the wheels of justice uh, grind slow, but ever so fine. And 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 all the while, all the while, they're the ones decrying fake news. That's the amazing that's, thing about it. That's the richest that, that's, part. That's chutzpah. But yeah. but but you would expect that. That's exactly what you would expect. Anyway, point is. We're looking at this past decade, meaning the 20s, right? We're 10 years hence, and now we're looking back on the 20s. And, and I, I am predicting boldly, but I think not so surprisingly, that the New York Times will be no more. Uh, there may, by the way, just because the New York Times has been around for how long? 100-plus years? Doesn't mean that it's going to be around forever. You really, let me make this even easier. Three hundred years from now, okay? Do you think there will be a New York Times? Answer is no. It's it's like a it's like a point zero zero one percent chance of such a thing happening. Okay, that means that somewhere between now and three hundred years from now, there will be no no New York Times. Why why would it not be within this next coming decade? Look, if you if you're a news outlet and you are if you are falsely telling yourself that you're all the news that's fit to print and nobody should should be reading anything else. You've got another thing coming. You're going to lose. 
And if and worse than that, the, the biggest crime is that you're not telling people accurate information. If people can't rely on your information, then <clears throat> then what's the point? Then, you, then then you're no longer valid. It's a little bit like that um, scene in Roxanne, um, which is the modern modern day version of uh, Cyrano de Bergerac, and Steve Martin plays the uh, the Cyrano character, right, with a big nose. Anyway, so he's his role in the in the town is the chief fire marshal, right? And his big bane is that he has to teach these klutzes in the fire department how to put out a fire, and they're just terrible. And you see him exasperated talking to his firemen, saying, listen, we got to shape up. The last thing we want is when, when there is a real fire for people to say, whatever you do, don't call the fire department, <laughs> right? <laughs> because they're so bad. And it's, and it's true. So what, what, what's the analogy here? The analogy here is that whatever you do, don't watch CNN. Yeah, don't watch the, the New York Times. Yeah, the, yeah, what, the Baghdad coverage. Yeah, because seriously, what's going to happen is this: when when people want accurate information, it doesn't matter how lefty they are, they're going to turn to Fox News to get the real answer, because or 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 uh, Gateway Pundit, all the other ones we just mentioned, because you know what, when when push comes to shove. That's where the real information is. Let's not fool ourselves. How are we going to be doing in 2020, in November 2020? I guarantee you people will be rushing to Fox News for, for real information, not for BS information. Yeah. And so they want to feel like good about us, themselves. We'll be putting on CNN for the entertainment side. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we get the picture. <laughs> All right. So, but, you, but you're right. It, it'll be entertainment value to us. But when I watch Fox News, I mean, they got it right. They got everything right. Uh, they, they, and, and not only that, but, I mean, people were beginning to say, you know, look, the chances of Trump being reelected, re it'll be a close election, uh, but I think that Trump's got a better shot than most people are saying. And no one on CNN said that. Everyone said, we got this in the bag. It's 94% chance, 99% chance. Nate Silver and all those bad boys. Really, uh, and, and then not just egg on their face at the end of the day. They, they lost all credibility. And then, like we talked about in last week's podcast, you know, what do you call a liar who lies only once a week? A, a liar. liar. <laughs> exactly, right. Uh, a person who lies once a week. So that's what it is. And, and the fact that he tells the truth every other day or thinks he's telling the truth doesn't make him any, any less of a liar. Yeah, he's a liar. Yeah, what do you call a person who lies once a minute? A liar. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and CNN, you know, lies all the time. So th this most recent escapade with the, the Iranian stuff, for example, saying, you know, portraying this whole thing as, uh, you know, Trump has lit a match some, somehow and uh, how crazy he is. He's an arsonist and then wants to claim credit for putting out the fire and, you know, cute little expressions like that. Uh, that is, uh, it, it turned out to be a totally false narrative. Right. right? Remember when they, I, I, sorry, way back machine. Remember when al-Baghdadi was killed? Oh, yeah. They called him a poet? Remember, yes, right. this general was killed, you know, Cassie Salami, and they're saying he was virtuous. He embodied all the values that the regime in Iran cherishes. Oh, so he is, is worshipped and loved by his people. Look at the funeral. Look how sad everyone is. Uh, don't tell them that they're being bribed to show up there because they're starving and they're being given a hot exactly meal. Right. Uh, you, you know what I mean? Okay, it's so, like, but let's go back. Let's go back. <laughs> Everything's to, to, a lie. Let's go back to our way back machine. Yes. Just about, I don't know, 15 minutes ago, where I said, let's predict the things yes. that are happening in the 20s, right? The 2020s, not the 1920s. So the prediction here is we talked about how the media is going to collapse, at least the, the existing media, in the same way that uh, Israel got rid of its Labour Party. And England, I think, is going to get rid of its Labour Party. It did. Yeah. Done. Yeah, done. So what's going to happen? You would never expect the demise of the Labour Party in the year 19, uh, 2019, for example, right? And it happened. It happened uh, in both Israel and uh, England. And you would never expect a lot of things that are happening now, that where somehow Israel somehow aligning itself with Saudi Arabia against Iran. It's, it's delicious, right? So what else? You know, so from you know the other thing I predict, of course, as you know, from Rise of the Sex Machines, my my book, is that there will be a tremendous explosion of uh, women having babies on their own uh, because you know for a variety of factors. Um, the the rise of polyamory uh, and polygamy, but mostly polyamory because you know people don't want to get married anyway, so it's all a piece of paper. Well, there's the, the, the demise of yeah. marriage altogether. 
the rise of polyamory, the increased uh, sense of you never need to get married ever, um, and uh, you know the sexual confusion that will just go crazy. I, by the way, I think the transgenderism thing is going to fall apart. Of course, and because there's there's it's just too much yeah. that I, they, it requires us to do. It's it, you know the, the number one rule of leftism is keep it simple, right? Well, no, it's not keep it simple. It's don't make me do anything, yes. right? <clears throat> and I, they want no standards. <clears throat> so that means I don't want any separation of men and women. I don't want to, I don't want to think about right and wrong. I don't want, there's no such thing as good and evil. Okay, that's easy enough, right? Just let the world collapse. Don't enforce the laws. That's leftism for you, right? Yeah, San Francisco, but, Los yeah. Angeles, etc. But transgenderism requires too much work, right? <laughs> yeah, pronouns. Yeah, you, all of a sudden you have to do these pronouns choices. Yeah, yeah, you have to include everyone in this thing. And I, okay, you know, okay, enough. Okay, <laughs> like I'm tired of this. Okay, you know when it actually because that affects everyone. You know the pronouns. You know you yeah. can say about taxes, it only affects uh, rich people, and the poor people don't have to pay the taxes. Oh, whoopee, right? No, but these this pronoun game. That affects everyone. Anyway, that, they're not going to deal with this crap. <laughs> so transgenderism, I think that will um, that will fall apart in in style. Let's say as a yeah. trend. Um, and, and you're welcome to jump in with other well, things. Well, I, I think it's obvious that there's going to be massive regime changes worldwide for the better. Yeah. Um, I think China will get rid of its regime very soon. It's, it's all because of Trump and. Trumpism showing the American people the way Reagan and Reaganism showed the American people we can be confident in our values and ideas, which, when strong, causes other people around the world to say what you've said in other podcasts. Hey, I want some of that. I'll have what they're having. Right. Exactly. And uh, the Chinese people, like with Hong Kong, talked about it for many months. The Chinese still have not crushed the Hong Kong dissent. And now there's rumors and news and stories that it's spreading into the economically viable areas of mainland China, slowly but surely. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? Yeah, so that North Korea will go once China goes. Um, Saudi Arabia is going to change drastically, hopefully for the better. Other Arab states will. uh, Israel will be safe. Egypt's going slowly but surely in the more right direction. Iran, of course, you know. Yeah. And uh, so I, I think we're looking at a, a real renaissance worldwide for human freedom. And, uh, you know, it's funny, but I think the book is great, Rise of the Sex Machines and all that. But the predictions may have been colored with the lens coming off of the Obama years more than you thought mm-hmm. because Neither of us, I think, could have predicted that Trumpism was going to be so congruent to Reaganism as far as reinvigorating the values, the core values of America, because we looked at Trump as, at best, a pragmatist and not really a conservative. Now, he explains it. He was on Rush Limbaugh's show the other day. He explains that his conservatism is a pragmatic conservatism. Sure. But but I think it's redundancy in terms. Conservatism is always pragmatic. Right. But we didn't see his conservative philosophy being as contagious with the American public as it actually has been. And so I think we're looking at hopefully a a rejection of the, you know, third wave feminism, transgenderism, all the weirdness. And I think we're going back to where people are yearning for the normal again, well, which look, is which is very good. I, I, I think you're right about that. However, but that's that's the point of my book is that the people that will survive or resist this these changes, both socially and otherwise, are the are the profound believers, the the, the, the devout Christians, the devout Jews, uh, who reject uh, this notion that marriage is somehow nothing, that uh, that the values of uh, heterosexual and uh, you know behavior uh, are not you know the higher values, uh, you know that's, that's not to say that gays should not be gays and such like that, but. The point is that what causes civilization to move forward is family and, and the, the, uh, the families having children and raising them in a protected way, in a non-sexualized way, for example. Yeah, nuclear standard right. nuclear family units, etc. Right. This is the most successful um, agenda that has propelled civilization forward. And, and that will always be true with our Christians, no matter – and our Jews. They, they, will, they will always focus on that. They, they understand that. They appreciate it. What what you're talking about is not an undermining of, because uh, that that will, 
my point in the book is going to happen. The sex robot industry will happen. Um, the collapse of marriage will happen. There'll be fewer religious people. But the, the, for sure, the only people that will survive all this are the people who are devout Christians and devout Jews. Now, what Trump might do is he might reawaken a love of faith. Yeah, that will that will that will be a great right. lasting like Kanye legacy. Kanye West recent yes. work, which is incredible. Incredible, you know, this, yeah, and, this... and people begin to see like, hey, if I'm going to be a conservative, I might also find Jesus in my heart or God in my heart, and that's wonderful. That's where we that's where we need to be, and the association of conservatism and uh, deep faith. That's the, I don't mind that association whatsoever. That's a good association. Yeah. So, anyway, one last thing, and then we'll we'll. Leave it at that because I, I want to talk about all this anti-Semitism that's happening, uh, especially in the New York area with the Orthodox Jews in Williamsburg and otherwise. Um, and you're hearing these horrific stories of, sadly, uh, a lot of black youths, uh, some Muslim youths, uh, taking liberties, uh, beating up these uh, older or sometimes younger Orthodox Jews who are just minding their own business. But, you know, obviously Orthodox Jews with the Hasidic hats and the curls and the black uh, coats and everything else. And they're getting beaten senselessly or just picked on for whatever reason. Or spit reason. on or yeah, derided. it's disgusting. Yeah. And, and there are other things that are going on, burning of synagogues and such like that. This is horrific stuff that's going on. So there are two aspects to talk about. One is, um, where is this coming from? Uh, and they would like you to believe that it's coming from right-wing Nazis. Of course, none of the videotape that's uh, of surveillance tapes shows anything of the sort. You would think there would be captured at least one of them, right? No, it's, it's not the people who attacked Jesse Smollett at all, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, but then they, they, they point to swastikas graffitied on various tombstones, Jewish tombstones. Uh, ah, you see, the Aryan race is uh, alive and well. Okay, well, wait a minute. Just because they're doing swastika doesn't mean that it's Aryans, right? It, it could mean, in fact, it probably is uh, Muslim attacks or anti-Semitic attacks far from the, the, the white supremacists. Again... Or of which, of, again, of which you do not see any surveillance tape. Right. Or black dudes who are... Um, Pretending. No, hold on. Who are the more likely to engage in something called graffiti. Right. <laughs> right. Well, I don't know about that. No, spray painting stuff. It's not, no. it's not that black dudes are more likely to do that. I, I disagree with that. But, I do, but hang on. But uh, I, I think that a lot of people have an agenda. And just like we saw in Notre Dame when they did do a swastika uh, and say, go Trump 20... You know, 2016 um, in Notre Dame, it was a liberal guy, a Jewish guy. In fact, it was right. so embarrassing. Um, and then the YMCA or GACC uh, threats—that was from a black liberal and everything else. It just—it's all garbage. Uh, same thing with the Jesse Smollett that you yeah, pointed but out. But the point is, it's never been, and, and they have the same surveillance camera operators that Epstein had in his cell. You know, they never find the videotape if it yeah, somehow. doesn't fit the narrative. It doesn't. So. Anyway, that's one thing. Then here's my idea. How do we deal with this problem? Because these, these guys are, are doing this with impunity. We know that there's no real justice here. Because if this had been, let's say, two transgendered uh, guys uh, who hated Trump and they were approached and beaten exactly the same way by white guys, whether they're Nazi sympathizers or not, yeah. Just white guys. White heterosexuals. Right. Uh, saying, oh, you, you transgendered uh, mother effers or whatever. <coughs> and then they beat them up or spat on them. It would be on the news all day. We know that. Okay. And they'll be arrested and the hate crimes yes. and everything else. But when, it, when it's a Jew, then you can do it with impunity. Okay. And, and by the way, they, they can't seem, they actually seem to make a distinction. Some of the, the Al Sharpens out there are saying, well, this is, this is a lower form of uh, racism. I mean, right. I, it was unbelievable to, to read this. I mean, because they, they knew they had to deal with the, the comparison. Yes. So they, they somehow justified it. Well, it's, it's okay when, it, when you're doing it against Jews. Yes. Anyway, here's my solution. Because we're not going to get the justice that we want. So what do I propose, Ari? I propose that a guy who's not even necessarily Jewish, but who has a concealed gun carry permit, Okay, uh, carries a gun with him and Willis, and he dresses like a Hasidic Jew. Okay, and then lets himself be approached by these radical thugs, and then just whips out that gun and see how them scatter, and does it time and time again. 
let's see what happens. Are you saying deterrence work? Huh. Okay. I, I just, I think that might be a game changer. Yeah, that might okay. change the uh, dynamics of the attack. Right. And these Orthodox Jews, by the way, they have nothing against guns. In fact, they're, they're very pro-Second Amendment. Right. It's only but New they just York need to do doesn't it. allow them to carry it. Right. Um, so, but if they somehow had that, I think things would change quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they can't carry guns, then to have somebody who's a martial arts expert, you know, dressed like a Hasidic Jew. And the thing is that these Hasidic Jews, they, they dress very similarly, all of them. So... One wouldn't know to be able to distinguish this Hasidic Jew from another Hasidic Jews. Yeah. That they literally kind of, quote unquote, all look alike, right? So, boom, there you have your problem solved. All right, my friends, thanks so much for listening today. This is Brock Lurie signing off, and we'll talk with you next week. <laughs>